I know I talk about the weather quite often on here, but Sunday morning, they said there was a 0% chance of rain. Okay, so we get in the car to go to church. It's about 10 after 8, and it was starting to sprinkle. And as soon as we turned and headed north out of our driveway, the sky was like pitch black in the direction where we were going. Well, life is like that, okay? Zero percent chance of problems. And we get a phone call. Or maybe, you know, we just really are feeling bad physically or emotionally. Or we get a pink slip. Or a child or a grandchild has a problem. And life changes. Maybe for a little while. Eh, maybe permanently. But we know that there's nothing that we can do about it. Nothing anyone can do sometimes. We have to learn to live with whatever happens. Maybe for a little while. Or maybe permanently. So we have to be ready for the unknown. Is that even possible? Well, not totally. But we can be as ready as possible. You remember back in 1999, Y2K was coming, and we didn't know what to expect, so we got ready for the unexpected as best as we could. You know, people were making sure they were downloading everything off their computers, and uh, <laughs> my wife thought we needed to, to have water, so we had, I don't know how many, two-liter bottles of water. Many, 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 okay? Well, then it happens that we didn't need any of it. Nobody needed anything. But what we need to make sure, no matter what it is that's going on in our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly, we need to be praying for God's will. Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks that you're always watching over us. You're always meeting our needs, just like you said you will. And so, Father, help us to uh, rely on you more than we rely on ourselves or our own resources. And certainly rely on you more than we do the world. But, Lord, your, your word is a, a blueprint for our lives, a user, user's manual. Uh, it tells us how to be good husbands, good wives, good parents, good employers, good employees, good children, you name it. It's in there. So, Father, help us to uh, turn to that instead of turning to anything else or turning to that first and not turning to that after we've tried and tried and uh, failed and failed. So, Father, as we look at your word now, Lord, help us to see what you want us to see. And, Lord, to just open our ears, our minds, and our hearts and let the Holy Spirit guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk about a topic that you don't hear from the pulpit that often, and that is hell. And I'll throw in a little bit of heaven here and there to get us started, okay? One thing that we need to establish is this. Does hell physically exist? Well, you need to understand, one, when you die... You're either going to end up in heaven or hell, 
And when you die, it's too late. You can't be prayed into heaven. Okay, so what we need to understand is that we have a choice. Now, you may not believe in heaven or may not believe in hell, but you're going to end up in one or the other, hopefully in heaven. So I found this chart about belief in heaven and hell among U.S. adults. This is from 2014. And the, the total statistic was that 72% of U.S. adults believe in heaven and 58% believe in hell. Okay, now as I go down this list, uh, it's got uh, Protestant, Evangelical, Mainline, uh, Catholic, and the figures are kind of about the same. Uh, fewer Catholics believe in hell than uh, Protestants do. Now, historically, black churches, okay, 93% believe in heaven and 82% believe in hell. And that's, you know, much more than most of the other churches. Now, if we take a look outside of Christianity, uh, the Mormons, 95% believe in heaven, 62% believe in hell. Jehovah's Witnesses, 50% believe in heaven, 7% believe in hell, which is too bad because that's where they're going to end up. Uh, Non-Christian faiths, um, Muslims, 89% believe in heaven, 76% believe in hell. Uh, Jews, 40% uh, believe in heaven, 22% believe in hell. And, you know, atheists, 5% uh, believe there's a heaven, and 3% believe there's a hell. I don't understand that. You know, how can 5% that don't believe in anything believe that there's a heaven? But agnostics, they're a little more believing. 14% uh, believe in heaven and 9% believe in hell. So we need to realize that it's real. You know, whether you're in a high percentage situation or a low percentage situation, heaven is real. Hell is real. And we need to get that figured out now. Let me start out with Jesus and what he taught in Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19. It says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things? But now he is comforted here and you, you were in agony. And besides all this between us is a great chasm that has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, 
nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I, I, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Well, Jesus certainly makes hell sound like a real place. Okay, a place that you don't want to be. And he lets you know that there's no going from hell to heaven forever. Now, I can't imagine anybody in heaven wanting to go and visit somebody in hell. Okay, people in hell, they certainly would love to be in heaven. But it ain't going to happen. But this should sound familiar to us. Many do not listen to God's word. And they do not listen to the one that's been raised from the dead, just like Jesus had Father Abraham saying. Well, let's explore some more scripture on this topic, okay? Here's another teaching from Jesus on this in Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 22. It says, Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you came from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you came from. Away from me, all of you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from the east and the west, and the north, and the south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last that will be first, and first who will be last. Let me add to that, okay, what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. This is from the New Living Translation. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. The highway to hell with a wide gate versus a narrow gate or narrow door. Unfortunately, too many people choose that highway. You know, that's the, the nice paved four lanes, no speed limit highway that a lot of people choose. Why? 
Well, here on Earth, it seems to be the fun way. Okay? You know, you can do drugs, you can drink, you can, you know, run around on your spouse, or you can do, you know, anything you want to, if you do it the world's way, what they say is the fun way. And, you know, it's the easy way, you know, because to a lot of people, religion just has all these rules and the, the do's and the don'ts and everything. And so people say, I don't want none of that, man. I want to take life easy. And so they choose the easy way. Or maybe people choose that way because that's the way our friends and family have chosen. You know, hey, I want to spend eternity with my family. You know, I want to spend eternity with my, my good drinking buddies. And so we end up on that super highway, going full speed ahead, finding ourselves someplace we don't want to be for an eternity. This is the way the world throws in our face. It's, you know, Christianity, man, that's old stuff. You know, you want to listen to that and want to believe that, don't want to read that, you know, don't want to sing those stupid songs, you know, you sing the same thing over and over and over again. You know, you don't want any of that. So choose widely, wisely, because the choice it can't be undone. I'm rereading the Left Behind series. If you're not familiar with it, it came out, started in the mid-90s. And it's fiction, but it's based on the book of Revelation. In the first book, Left Behind, millions of people disappear from planes, cars, homes, school, work, and you know, planes are crashing because the pilot disappeared. Cars are you know, causing accidents because the drivers disappeared. You know, and all this happens. And most of the people left behind, they don't know what happened. You know, I mean, they're thinking that, you know, aliens came and abducted them. Or, you know, some enemy uh, figured out some way to just vaporize people. Um because all these people that were left behind, you know, some of them were on this uh, plane, okay, and just, you know, their clothes were still there, their jewelry was there, uh, all the little children are gone, all the pregnant women, the baby that was growing inside of them is gone. So some people that are left behind, you know, they've figured out what really happened. Now, the main character in this, he figures it out, and he goes to his wife's church, and he finds that there's some people there that were left behind. You know, this woman that had been the church secretary for years and years and years, she's there. The assistant pastor, he's there. Okay, a man that you would think, you know, He's going to know for sure the truth. But he didn't. He heard about it. He probably talked about it, sang about it, but he didn't believe it. You know, someday some very good people are going to be left behind. Or 
if they die first, they're going to go to hell. You know, there's a lot of good people in hell. People that were good coaches, you know, gave a lot of time to, for coaching, you know, Little League or soccer or whatever it was. You know, there's grandmas in hell. You know, that sweet little old lady that, you know, just never did anything wrong. You know, there's scout leaders. There's teachers. There's little old ladies. There's that nice neighbor next door. There's your, your favorite aunt or uncle. And there's even pastors and Christian leaders that are going to find themselves in hell. Why? Because they chose the highway to hell. Or at least they did not choose the narrow gate or the narrow door. Okay, they had that opportunity, but they didn't choose it. Even if it looked on the outside like they'd made the right choices. No. Okay, there'll be a lot of people left behind that will be surprised that they were left behind. So what else does scripture tell us? Well, John the Baptist tells us something here in Matthew chapter 3. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Who's the one that he's talking about? No, well, that's Jesus. And who's the wheat? The good stuff? That's the believers that he's going to gather to himself. And who's the chaff that was left over on the threshing floor? That's the unbelievers. And what happens to that chaff? Like John the Baptist says, it's thrown into the fire, the unquenchable fire. Another example from Jesus is in Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 43. It says, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Now, okay, Jesus isn't telling you to cut off your hand your foot and pluck out your eye. What he's saying is, if those parts cause you to stumble, you better do something about it. Okay, you better make sure that you're not looking at the things that you shouldn't be looking at, that you're not going the places that you shouldn't be going, that you're not touching the things or the people that you shouldn't be touching. Okay, so you got to get your life straight. Okay, he's not saying. Eh, just cut off your hand. You know, that, you got two eyes, man. You can get by with one eye, can't you? Just pluck that sucker out. Let me add to what John saw and heard in the book of Revelation, 
chapter 14, beginning in verse 10. It says, A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships a beast in its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into his cup of wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image, or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. Burning sulfur forever and ever, no rest day or night. What part of that sounds good to you? Make sure you choose wisely. I'll add to that something that Daniel tells us in chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Okay, talking about those in the dust of the earth, those that have died, okay, they're going to end up someplace. Hell is not a place where you will go and quickly be consumed by fire, okay? We've heard that from the Gospels. We heard it from Daniel. We've heard it from many different places, okay? It's not like you're going to go to hell and instantly you're going to be just consumed by the fire. And hell isn't a place where you're going to party with your friends. You know, that's what some people will say, you know, oh, I'm going to go to hell because that's, that's where all my friends are going to be. Man, we're just going to party and we're going to have a good time and you're an idiot. Because okay? that's not the way it works. It is a place where you do not want to go. And you do have a choice. Turn to Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Paul says, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Peter, he gives us some wise words that we really can't miss. In Second Peter 2.9, says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Some people will say, Well, how can a loving God send people to hell? You know what? The Lord sends nobody to hell. Okay, like I just read from Second Peter, he's patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Okay, the Lord sends nobody, nobody to hell. It's a choice we make or don't make. It's all on us as individuals. Okay, God has no grandchildren, only children. Nicole C. Mullen had a song many years ago. I tried to find it, but I couldn't find the words for it. 
But basically it says you can't get to heaven on your grandma's faith. Okay? Your choice is your choice. Nobody else's. Okay? And we've been given many warnings. You know, knowing about Jesus and his way of salvation means that you need to make a choice. Not saying yes to Jesus is saying no to him. Okay, there's no waiting room where you can say, well, you know, when I get a little older or, you know, if I find myself sick or whatever. No. Okay, you need to do it now because nobody knows when they're going to take their last breath. Okay, you can die from a heart attack in an instant. You can get hit walking across the street. You can be in a plane that crashes, you know, and you just don't have time. There's no time for you to say, well, you know, I'll, I'll think about it. You know, maybe, you know, I don't need them right now. Well, you do. John fourteen six. I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said in response to the question of, you know, where are you going? We don't know how to get there. Jesus said, he is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. And he says, no one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Sounds pretty exclusive, doesn't it? Fact is, it's all inclusive. Remember what Peter said, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Choose wisely. If you choose Christ as your Savior, you're going to go through that narrow gate or that narrow door. If you fail to choose Jesus, you're on that highway to hell. And when you get there, you know, there's going to be a big gate welcoming you in. Like when we would go to to Disney when we were in Florida. You know, there's this big arch that you go through down there, you know, welcoming you in. Well, it's going to be the same when you get to the end of that highway to hell. Choose wisely. Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks that we have a choice. Okay, and for many years I didn't choose you. I chose to do what I wanted and to be the person that I thought I needed to be. But, Lord, you've given us a choice, and I just praise your name that 44 and a half years ago, I said yes to new life and to turning my life over to you. Lord, I, I know that some may be listening that, that knows this, knows the truth, knows there is a heaven, knows there is a hell, knows where they want to go, and who made the choice to go there. But Lord, Peter said that Jesus or that God wants us all to choose, all to repent. And they're not going to do it if we don't tell them. That's what we've been told that we need to do. So Father, if we know the truth, we need to tell the truth. Some people say, you know, my religion is just a private thing between me and God. No. Okay, your relationship is between you and God, but, you know, you're told to be a servant. You're told to be an evangelist. Okay, you're told to tell the gospel to those that don't know. 
And there are millions and millions of them. So we need to do our part. And there may be somebody listening that that doesn't understand this. It doesn't, you know, know what I'm talking about. And maybe they've thought about heaven and maybe they've thought about hell. And, you know, hell didn't sound very good to them. But, you know, they're not ready to make that commitment to know that they're going to spend their eternity with you and go through that narrow gate, that narrow door. Let them know how they need to do it, that they need to turn their life over to you. So let them pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. Father, help me to be who you need me to be. Turn my life around. Give me the confidence I need to know that you and you alone are my God. In Jesus' name, amen.